In the old days of vacation rental, we used to collect a damage deposit. Do you remember that? We'd collect $500 or $250. Usually by check, we'd hold on to it. And then at the end of a stay, we would send it back to the guest, provided there was no damage. And as our property management company grew, you know, it became quite an onerous task collecting all this in and sending it back again. And I'm so glad that... The days of those refundable damage deposits are pretty much done now. And today I'm talking to Leo Walton from Superhog to talk about all the alternatives when it comes to collecting damage or security deposit and looking at things like damage waivers and how we actually deal with disputes altogether. So this is a great conversation you need to listen to and I'll see you on the other side. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, super delighted to be back with you once again. And time's almost approaching for for me heading south for the winter. Very excited about that. We've got lots of things going on at the moment in Vacation Rental Formula, and you will be seeing some of those things coming out about our beta program for the Vacation Rental Formula Business School, which I'm super, super excited about. That is keeping me super busy. Now that I'm not running a property management company, I say this every week, but you know, I'm I had a great 19 years and I am very happy that, you know, it it passed on into really good hands and they just had an amazing summer uh, without me, pretty much. Actually made me realise how the effort that we put into making that changeover of company management pretty seamless without the principals being involved on the other side, you know, after the sale. And I know I've, I've said we were still involved to a certain degree over the summer, but because we'd spent a lot of time making sure that we had a general manager in place, it made everything so much easier for us because we didn't have to work as hard and also for the new owners as they had inherited a staff that knew exactly what to do. And you know, this summer has not been free of issues. There's been a lot of things happening in properties. There was damage to furniture, damage to barbecues, yeah, the things the things that happen when you've got a property management company and you've got 160 properties, things are going to happen. Not everything is going to go smoothly. And, you know, the 80-20 rule usually applies that 80% of what happens occurs in 20% of the properties, etc. And 20% of our guests cause 80% of our problems. It's the way it it works. And they have handled those extremely well. We instigated what we called our accidental damage protection plan a number of years ago, probably about 10 years ago now. And that has worked really, really well. I know that this is not possible in some states. You cannot 
well, you can't call it insurance. We don't call it insurance. We call it a damage protection plan. But what that means is we collect a certain amount of money from the guests um, that goes into a fund. And if some damage occurs or if an owner makes a complaint, even if we feel the complaint is not justified, sometimes it's good to just go with the flow, reduce the amount of communication that's going to go backwards and forwards from guest and owner and simply pay out the owner for the damage they claim has happened whether we feel it's justified or not you have to be very careful with that or else you know it's it's this operant conditioning you almost reinforce the notion that it's okay to make a complaint about every guest that comes in and claim for some damage because they're going to be paid for it. So you have to be very, very careful how you onboard your new owners in particular to make them understand how this works and that it's not a pot for dipping into. Each time an appliance gets tired and old or they want to replace something. This happened to us many, many years ago, probably about 15, 16 years ago. And we took on a new owner and she made a claim after the first guest. And I think it was for a blind that got got damaged. And we were a little bit green at that time. And we simply said, yeah, no problem. Not quite sure who did the damage, but we'll pay out. And then every single week there was something else. And (laughs) it it became that, uh, and I'm not mentioning the owner's surname, but let's say it was Smith. and, And we just called it the Smith effect. And we would see that happening sometimes in other new owners when they got their first payback for something that was 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 perhaps was damaged by a guest and we didn't feel that it was the cost of doing business so we we had to uh, to alter our procedures and systems uh, over time and one of the things we did was this very solid education of our owners that we do in the onboarding process that's a topic of another conversation owner onboarding I think we will do that relatively soon and I'm sure it will be touched on then. So I talked to Sharon Mitchie from Cottages to Castles of Sanibel a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about damage and how she handles damage. So I was very interested to take that one stage further and explore how we as independent owners and property managers handle these things. How do we start with doing the screening? to prevent the issues perhaps happening in the first place? And then how do we deal with the whole issue of damage deposits and insurance, etc.? So I am so pleased to welcome to the podcast today, Leo Walton from Superhog. And Superhog provides what, what they call intelligent guest screening, automatic damage protection and simplified deposit management. So you're going to find this a really interesting conversation if these issues are ever at the front of your mind. Let's move straight on over to my discussion with Leo Walton. So I am super delighted to have with me today Leo Walton from Superhog, who's going to talk about all things related to screening and damage and disputes and all that stuff we don't like to deal with, with our rental guests and with our owners, but it's it's just a fact of the short-term rental life. So welcome, Leo. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Heather. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Yes, well, we've sort of 
cross paths occasionally over the years. I think I, I mentioned when we were chatting the other day that I first came across Superhog at the 2019 host conference in London. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was quite a day, wasn't it? Quite a two days. Yeah. That was. I loved that conference. I really did. And yeah, it was so much fun. And it's a shame that then COVID came along and yeah. really prevented that happening again. I do hope they'll pick it up and do that again because it was a great format, yeah. actually. Really good format. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was more of a, it was more of a format of actually focusing on the vendors and just having the, the workshops on the periphery. That's how I felt mm. it was. And yeah, and I think for anybody that's going to a conference, seeing and talking to the vendors is such a major part of it. You know, it's that networking. So, um, so yes, I'm yeah. glad I came across you then. And recently, Damien Sheridan, who is the host of the Book Direct show, which will take place in Miami at the end of uh, at the end of October or mid October, seventeenth, nineteenth, I think. So, make sure you have that in your calendar, people. But Damien sent me a note and introduced me to Leo and said, you know, this is the person that you need to talk to. So that's my background. What's yours? What are you doing in this industry? Well, that, that's lovely. That's a, that's a very kind introduction, and it's got to be said, hasn't it, that we share Damien as, as a very dear mutual friend, possibly the nicest, the nicest oh. guy in the industry. And uh, yeah, so we, me, D- D- Damien and I obviously met sort of originally, probably uh, a few years back. He highly recommended that that, that that you and I should be speaking. My short-term rental story goes back to 2012, when as a, uh, a sort of slightly younger chap with a full head of hair and lots of enthusiasm for the world, I um, I answered an ad to take a job for a new company called One Fine Stay. And they were advertising the position of sort of what, how I can only call, I guess, mobile bellboys, so to speak, right? So come and be a meet greeter for us. And I had a bicycle and a lot of enthusiasm and I, I cycled around London doing check-ins. Very quickly got addicted to this thing that I now know as a, as a short-term rental industry. And it all started to sort of fall back in place to me. And I thought, well, hold on a minute. This, this is what we did as kids. We went to Devon with our family and we stayed at someone's house. And now we're doing it in a tech-enabled way in London so I loved it very quickly moved over to the commercial function and by the time I left I was running that for Europe and I reconnected then with an old friend of mine Humphrey who'd already jumped to start Guardhog to join him to help build Superhog and we've been plugging away at that now for five or six years and around the time we'd have been meeting you at host 2019 we were launching Superhog as a guest screening and risk management tool for the first time and our background really was insurance and so we were building out the kind of risk management tech guest experience part of Superhog and then the world fell apart in some ways and we sort of moved online pivoted focused a lot on America and you know two three years later here we are tremendous growth and and and, and a lot of lessons learned and we wouldn't have had the business we have today if it wasn't for COVID and and it made us work in certain ways that have proved really really effective for us so the business that you were introduced to in 2019 at the host conference is is very different you know in, in a very good way to the, to the one you see today. Yeah, it, it was interesting because when I mentioned that, and you said, "Oh, you didn't take away any literature from the from the host conference because everything's changed now." <laughs> so true. So very true. I'm glad you mentioned screening. You know, screening is that one word that you know has been played around with for for years in this in this business, and and I know from running a property management company that screening 
certainly way back in the early part of this century, was super important. You know, we, we, we did screening. We asked people a ton of questions about why they were coming and who they were and are you actually who you are? Because you could do that then. You could do it, you know, you had telephone numbers, you had email addresses, you could do everything over the phone. It was easy to connect with a guest. But with instant booking... Screening's becoming increasingly challenging. How do we validate guests these days? I'll just give a little experience that my old company has had this past weekend. There has been an incident, you know, in a property that that perhaps, you know, if, if we've been able to follow the screening of old may not have happened. And I'm sure this happens to people, you know, all the time. And you see it on the forums and on the Facebook groups. Totally. It's a huge problem. And its roots are in, as you very wisely have said, are the fact that we now move so much faster. So it's tech enabled home sharing. That means that you can take bookings 24 seven from numerous channels from your own website. And gone are the days of sending out brochures to people and then them replying and saying, I'd love to come and stay for that fourth week in June. And then them staying that fourth week in June every day, every year for 15 years, which is, which is what we did in Devon. And by the 15th year, you know, they'd, it'd be the same person that greeted us every single time and they'd give us the keys and in we'd go. So quite a manageable level of risk, you know, and obviously home sharing goes back thousands of years, but it would be a face-to-face transaction because that is no longer the case. You, you 100% need tools. If you don't have any tools or, or to, to speak more broadly, if you don't have a risk management strategy for your business, then you're effectively accepting that something will go wrong at some point and you're being quite fatalistic about it and just accepting that you will at some point get caught out. Warren Buffett says, uh, in the context of investments and business, but hugely relevant here, says it's only when the tide goes out that you can tell who's been swimming naked. And I would say that's how I see risk management and trust and safety is that you can't sit there and wait for the problems to come. You have to get ahead of them. And that is where something like guest screening comes in. If I can if I can expand on that point and take it a, a step further, though, I'll say it's about making sure you're doing the right level of screening for your business, for your neighborhood, for your booking channel versus your direct bookings. You know, that's really, really important. So it has to be curated because clearly what you don't want to do is frustrate the guests during the check-in process to the point where they just switch off. The pre-check-in process, sorry. So, you know, you can't ask them a million questions. If it's only five questions you need to ask, then you need to ask those five questions, get those five pieces of information in as few clicks as possible and as speedily a process as possible to push them onto the next stage and to get them excited about their upcoming booking. So that's how we work. We, we try and take a curated approach to, to screening. So there's different things you can do. You can ask people, to do an ID and a selfie cross-reference. That's really effective. It's something that some of our clients use to help mitigate the risks of fraud and chargebacks. But, you know, not essential in that fight. There are other ways you can check them too. We think the most important thing you can do is screen somebody's email and their phone number because people will often use fraudulent information. And if they are, that probably is a sign that it's going to be a party booking, a criminal booking, drug dealing, anything of that nature. So if if you can get their email and make sure that it's registered to them and that it's got social media attached to it. And we can we can check all of this with our, with our software to make sure that it looks like a genuine email address. Same thing with the phone number. The email and the phone number match one another, so they've been used for the similar, similar types of social media and that it's registered to that user by name. 
we think they're the most important bits of screening you can do, but clearly there's lots you can do with it within the screening journey. And we take a very consultative approach. So what are you trying to solve for? Therefore, let's plug in these elements to make sure that you, you get what you need from the guest in advance. What about when the, the instant booking with, with Airbnb or, or, or Verbo? We're not getting an email or a phone number. Correct. You, you, you should get a phone number, but, but not an email, right? So you, so you right. should yeah. be able to send um, you should be able to send a text message out to a Verbo or an Airbnb guest. Airbnb guest. But this is really important, Heather. You're exactly right. An Airbnb guest has probably already been ID screened on Airbnb, so they don't want to have to repeat that process. Mm-hmm. So if both of your bookings happen on Airbnb, we would say you should be using this without sending them through the ID screens again, because that's really going to annoy them. So you know you have it set that you'll send them a text message and ask them to do name, email address, phone number, date of birth, home address. Someone like us can then do all of the checks we need to do to be able to say to you, look, the person is genuine. One of the most important checks we can do, whatever screening you want, is we can check the IP address that they're using to make sure that it doesn't flag up as being one that's been used for fraudulent activity somewhere else in the world, you know, that it's not a proxy, all that important stuff. What about the differences between Europe and and uh, the US? Because I know when I've been to Europe and stayed in a vacation rental, they, they go through some, you know, fairly stringent procedures, collecting passport numbers and doing those checks. And I have no problem with that. But I think that in the US market, people are... Well, obviously, they're not most of them not carrying passports. But mm. how do you, how do you handle this? Because there's a different perception on sharing that sort of information in North America as there is in Europe. One hundred percent. It's a, it's a real challenge of any business in this space. Is how do you? Because the two big markets for most sort of startup businesses here are, are North America and Europe, right? Or, or the Americas and Europe. I'd say that. In Europe, it's often government mandated, right, that Mm -hmm. you have to send information to the police. So a traveller knows that they're not going to be able to stay in Spain, Greece, Italy without, not Greece, but Spain and Italy, and I think a few others are introducing it now, without sending that information. So when you're speaking to a customer there, a property manager there, they want to make sure that your tool can do all of those things and then send them straight through to the police or have a mechanism for doing that. So that's really important because it's a legal requirement. That then allows them to to tax that tourist, right? So that's it's, a lot of it is about is about making things official for regulators so they can tax tourists and, and properly track how many people are using vacation rental. So yeah, very, very different. It's all about can your tool do X? Is it connected to Y? And, and then the guest doesn't really have a choice. So again, I go back to my point on make sure there's as few clicks as possible in that process so that you're not annoying that guest and not pulling them off booking in the first place. North America, very, very different because actually there's there's a lot less regulation and a lot less requirement for documents to be shared with um, governments. So in that scenario, again, it's about ensuring that you are doing the bare minimum to make sure that we as a business or any other screening provider can tell you that your guest is, is safe or not. So one thing we often do is say, look, if you've got a process for collecting this data that we need, why don't you collect it and then pass it to us in the background? And that's often a good way of doing it. So if your company is um, higher end and you take longer during the booking cycle, you know, you probably don't have much instant book. And if you don't have much instant mm-hmm. book, you can collect that data and you can fill that in and send it to us and we can run our checks in the background. Like, don't annoy people if you don't need to, right? But clearly, if you're doing instant book, last minute bookings, you need something that can send out an alert to people as quickly as possible so that we can check it. Because I can tell you now, the data will show you that the, the time that you're most likely to get caught out is that booking that gets made at one o'clock in the morning to check in at 9 a.m. that same day. Yeah. 
And yeah. that, that's where the fraud happens. That's where the criminal stuff happens. So in that world, you haven't got enough time in that sales funnel to ask them those pieces of information and push it without them having to do it. You just need a mechanism to put that person off. If they cancel the booking, good, because it meant that it meant that they've gone and caused problems somewhere else. Mm, interesting interesting okay let's let's talk about this wonderful topic of damage or security deposits i mean i've been in this business long enough that i remember when you know people sent a check for for, for a couple of hundred dollars and we hung on to the check until vacation was over and then we got an envelope wrote their address on the front sent it back to them hopefully <laughs> we sent it <laughs> but there's so many alternatives now to collect a damage or security deposit if that's the way that somebody wants to go but what are if you know if, if somebody is still wanting to collect that money how can they do it these days it's such a great question it's such a, it's such an interesting part of our industry isn't it it's, you go back to that thing of like the otas generally speaking don't want you to take a damage deposit because it clearly um, it might cause someone to cancel after they've already created a booking on, on their platform. So their interests are very much aligned with the guests in terms of making sure the booking process is as seamless as possible. So OTA and guests are very aligned here. Property manager is the kind of person that unfortunately is in the middle of it, normally getting squeezed at both sides. So you know if there is damage, they've got to contend with their host. Who, or if, they, if, they, if, they, if it's not their own property, they've got to contend with their host who's going to say, look, this X, Y, and Z has happened and we need to take the security deposit to pay for it. The guest is clearly not going to want the security deposit to be taken and might leave a bad review, which leaves the property manager scrabbling around. I hear anecdotally, and this is obviously a topic of conversation that comes up a lot given the work we do, that property managers often just take the hit. So, you know, they pay out the host to make sure the host is happy and they don't bother the guest because they don't want to affect the review or, or the chance of a of, of a... If it's a direct booking, essentially, why would you want to jeopardise that person coming and booking again? You're nodding here. I think you can probably relate to this, right? <laughs> oh, yes. So, so many times. So many times when you get into that he said, she said situation, the owner's saying one thing and the guest is saying another. And yeah. the poor property manager sits in the middle. Yeah. And also as well, you know, most bookings that happen, you could probably go around and find a bit of damage, right? <laughs> However small or large, especially if people travel with with their lovely 11-month-old daughters who um, certainly have, <laughs> uh, who are crawling everywhere and pulling things out of things and, and doing things. And, you know, the last vacation rental I stayed in, and by the way, this is completely fine to admit this because we emailed the host and we apologised and, you know, offered to pay for all of this. But, you know, we, we scratched a bed, moving a bed to make it more compatible for how we wanted to, to sleep in the room with our with our daughter. And then she pulled a bin off, off a, you know, off the, there was a bin that was attached to a cupboard and she, managed to really strong i was really impressed with it, actually she managed to pull the and, and there we are and i kind of clipped it back in but i just said look i'm really sorry this is kind of snapped from the inside you wouldn't be able to tell but the next time you take the bin out you know you might notice so you know there, there it was probably uh, you know the, the the floor probably 80 quid to resand it and the the bin probably 10 quid to replace it but that small amount of damage who pays for that it depends on what your relationship status is with that host are they happy with you at the moment have you been getting them lots of bookings and making them lots of money are they a particularly difficult host that just wants lots of money but doesn't want to reinvest in their vacation rental we know all these problems because it what it's what leads to things cat like you know knocking on booking to booking to booking the traditional security deposit is a method for, for doing that. Mm -hmm. Clearly, as a, as a provider of trust and safety tools, we facilitate that. So if you want to take a security deposit, damage deposit on Superbook, you can. What we advise them, what we promote, is that actually you should be taking a non-refundable damage waiver from guests. You know, pick, pick the amount yourself. Go and do a calculation back. How many incidents of small damage have I had over the previous month? 
And I bet you, anecdotally, you go around to your team and they'll say, oh yeah, we actually paid for this, that, and the other. And before you know it, it adds up. Also, how much admin time was taken up dealing with small damage? Because the hourly rate of your team is so important. Like one thing I try and do as, a, 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 as um, uh, someone in this space is I always try and jot down where my time is actually being spent. And it's scary half the time because you think you're doing 90% of this and then it turns out you're only doing 10% of it and 90% is, out, is mopping up things that actually are costing you money. So there's that, there's that calculation. It's how much are we paying it and how much time is it taking from us? And then you know where you can pitch your non-refundable fee. So clearly you want to charge it so that you always make sure that you're not losing on it and you always have a bit of money left over at the end of the month. And for most property managers, that's something like 40, 50, 40 to $50 for $500 worth of damage, um, damage waiver. You charge it to the guest and you put it in an escrow account and you keep it there so you're ready whenever those inevitable damages happen. And hey, if you've got some over, left over at the end of the year, have a Christmas party, you know, and um, feel free to invite me. Uh, but, you know, it, it, inevitably, when you look at the admin time and the, and the dealing with it, you know, it, 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 you know, you kind of you kind of need to do this. And the guest is then happy because they pay it and they forget they've paid it. The host is happy because you're able to put the money in the pocket and, and, and sort it out very, very quickly for them. And speed is important here because you've probably got four or five more bookings coming in. So if you know you can just send in a contractor and quickly sand down that floor or replace that bin it's not going to have a knock-on effect of giving you a bad review in future bookings and your existing guest walks away and feels feels very happy about it we started with a damage uh, waiver about um, oh, 15 years ago i think and it we'd been to a vrma conference and i was talking to one of our competitors from ontario who was at the same conference and we sat down having coffee and i said what's the best thing you've ever done for your business and he said uh, he said well there are two things actually he said one was employing a, a law student each summer to deal with the issues so he didn't have to and he said the second thing was collecting a damage waiver and he said uh, at that time it was 49 dollars a week and you know, seven dollars a day and he said we then get to the point where we don't have to be arguing with anybody we can make that decision. We've got that fund there. And he said, it's amazing how, biz how quickly it builds up. And it did, did yeah. build up very quickly over, over time. But then, of course, we had 100, 100 plus properties. So it, it's going in lots of bookings. So it's going to do that a little bit different when you've only got one or two properties. It's true. It's, it's, it's a really good point. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because I, um, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that point specifically because I think it's interesting. And then, and then let's go back on some of the other interesting stuff you said. But as a risk management business, we also have the ability to take the risk for our clients if they want us to. So we can collect the damage waiver and we can be the people who are on the hook for the $500. Most of our clients don't do that. They take the risk themselves. But we do have some direct hosts who would say, Actually, it's a bit scary to me because it's going to take me 10 bookings to get up to that point. However, what we do is we show them 12 months later what the figures were for their account. And each of them at that point then chooses to swap over. Yeah, yeah. I think there, there are things out there that make any size of operator able to do this. And, and quite honestly, it takes so much of that pressure away. Mm. And so true. And I think, but I think, yeah, I, I think you're right when you said like, it's just a smart thing to do for your business because actually you're you're then able to avoid the conflict, right? Which is which is the most important thing. And if that's not happening, your teams can get on with the things they're really good at, which is delighting your guests, 
your commercial team can get on with growing your booking channels, adding to them, working on direct bookings. You can focus on adding new inventory. And that's it. That's how you get from, you know, 10 to 20 to 100. You know, you know yourself. It's the journey you've been on. I'm sure when you were speaking to your competitor, that was the motivation. You're thinking, how do I clear things off my plate to help us scale and grow quicker? Yeah, exactly. You know, and when, when certainly in a seasonal business, when everything comes in in two months, then it's really important that, that you have these things in place and your time is, and you, you so important, the time taken by your staff in talking to the guest, talking to the owner, bringing in evidence of damage and then sending it out to the guest who's going, of course, going to deny absolutely everything except for you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course there are there are a lot of, of of very honest guests who when breaking something will own up to it but quite often it's you know it's it's the larger it's the larger the, the bigger damage where where they just do not want to take that responsibility because it's going to be it's going to be a cost so so, so that's the other thing that we found when we could say to our guests okay you're covered up to x amount of accidental damage providing you tell us when it happens because that gives us, yeah. as, a, as a management company, the opportunity to come out and do something about it before the next guests come. And, and I, yeah. it all comes down, a lot of it comes down, for me, to education. Education of guests in terms of what happens when you damage something and education for owners in terms of, you know, what is the co- cost of doing business in the first place? Yeah, I think, I think it's a really good point. And, and one of the aspects that, 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 that we look after and other companies uh, will, will do similar things in their own way. But we have a financial guarantee that can be provided to uh, property managers for up to five million dollars. And it's for that big stuff that really helps because the guests will realize having gone through that guest journey that, that they are that they're working with Superhog. And therefore, if they damage something or they see something out of place, they should let the property manager know so that they don't think that they're responsible for it. That's something that we sort of make people aware of. Say, look, if you if you walk in and you see something, let's straight away talk about it because get on top of a problem before it becomes a bigger problem, right? Stop it going into the next booking, sort it out straight away. We'll, we'll realize that actually it was, it turns out it was the cleaner that knocked it on their way out and they didn't realize, you know, something of that nature uh, because it is super important. But also having that guarantee against the name means that Superhog can reach out to guests for you and because we're a neutral arbitrator in this and we have the name behind us, we're able to get guests to pay for their damages. And this is large damage, by the way. So this is $500 to $5 million in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to get guests to pay for their damages 50% of the time, five zero. Wow. And as a property manager, it's probably zero or it's 0.5. But as a, as a, a super hog, we can do it 50% of the time. People are very quick to apologize, send, send a check to you as a property manager or to us if we've already reimbursed you using our guarantee. Yeah. And again, yeah. the reason for that is that they don't want to fall foul of our watch list in case they've done something significant in the damage and not be able to go through the, the, the guest screening tool again. So that's kind of how is that, that there's a leverage and that's quite a cold word, but you know, and it, it's much softer and, and fluffier than that when you're having those conversations. But that's essentially what it is, right? There's leverage because they know that if they walk away from this large amount of damage they've done, there's a chance they'll get stopped from coming to stay again when, they, when, when, when they're booking. So I would say like each guest can also be a different persona depending on, on, on the trip they're on. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I go away with my partner and my daughter, I'm the family man. When I go go away for a stag do, I'm a guy on a stag do. And actually, if, if during that stag do I was involved in a, in property damage, I'd be worried that when I was then backing my family man persona, I'd be banned from making that booking. And so you can really lean on people for that and say, look, you know, you might fall foul of the super hog watch list and not be able to book somewhere else in the world. What 
a tragedy that would be. Therefore, you know, you should probably pay for the, the party that you have. That's very interesting to hear. Uh, yeah, I hadn't. I actually hadn't thought about uh, about about that aspect of it, and it, it just it just makes so much it, it makes so much sense. Let's talk about chargebacks because these are on the rise, and I see it on the Facebook groups and other areas where people are networking out there talking about this stuff, and there's a there's a, a rise in the amount of discussion about chargebacks because apparently it's, it's really easy to do if a guest is not having a having a fun time or they've heard about it on a reddit thread that this is the way to get your money back they're going to to push through that chargeback so what can people do to prevent them happening so frequently yeah i think i think you've really summarized the problem incredibly well so in truth the answer is they're not they're not completely um, unavoidable you know they, they, they will pop up from time to time but there's lots you can do to limit and reduce the impact they'll have and get ahead of them yeah i think it's fair to say we'd all agree as experts in the space and, and operators in the space that that the credit card company is too ready to charge back a guest without investigating it it unfortunately is a trend that i can't see very very quickly being reversed and it's it kind of goes beyond our industry right and it's to do with being on the side of the consumer and Everyone knows that if you book with a credit card, especially, you're very well protected as, as a consumer. So it's something that we have to live with. We have to play in, in. We have to play the cards we've been dealt. So the first thing you should be doing as an operator is having your own rental agreement um, and making sure that that rental agreement says in big bold letters as point one exactly what your policy is around cancellation. So they cannot. You cannot cancel if this is. What it is, you cannot cancel 72 hours before the booking and expect to have a full refund. You know, you'll get a 10% refund or you will not get a refund at this point. So you lay out what that is. You lay out what your policy to do with parties, damage, like misrepresenting who they are as a guest. So you just kind of lay this lay this out. And, and unfortunately, you have to structure your rental agreement like they are trying to catch you out on this particular point. And then you work with someone that can make sure it gets e-signed or ticked Obviously, that's something we can do, but you know, you work you work that into your process so that they have to sign or tick that part of the term where it says this is your cancellation policy, and that starts to kind of get rid of some of that uh, what we would class as friendly fraud. So the friendly fraud would be someone saying, "Yeah, I was there, but this happened, and so I, I demand a refund." So you might also want to put in there what your service terms are. So if there's something that goes wrong during a booking, how quickly you'll rectify it. It will, you'll rectify it within three hours if that if you write within three hours and then you have evidence during a booking to show that you, for, you yes you forgot the towels but you delivered them within three hours then you can contest that charge back with the credit card company and say look here are our t's and c's here's where they signed them or ticked them i have that information here they've agreed to them and these are our service terms and that hopefully should remove that friendly fraud so i cancelled i wasn't happy with the service it but but it is really hard also a big problem is stolen credit cards and that's fraud fraud right that's the stuff that you can avoid by putting proper processes in place so friendly fraud is hard and it's always you've always got, kind of got to be one step ahead of the of the chances and again we've all just got to keep sharing information with one another on facebook forums and and through through mediums like this to make sure that we're giving as much advice as possible like i love i love talking about this topic so if anyone wants to reach out to me and, and talk about the different ways they can do it let, let's talk about it so you know, the, the friendly fraud is, is just an ongoing battle. Fraud and chargebacks through people stealing credit cards 
we can we can stop that fully by making sure as property managers that there is processes to make sure that a card is genuine. One of them would be you use 3D Secure, where the person after they make their transaction has to go back to their banking app and confirm that it is them. Much bigger in Europe, I think, than it than it is in the US. <laughs> You'll be able to fill in the gaps with me there, Heather. But in Europe, it's really commonplace for everyone to have their banking app on their phone and to make that to, so that as soon as you make a purchase, it asks you to review the purchase and you have to confirm it. So you as an operator can insist that you use 3D Secure. That's the most important thing, fundamentally. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I, I hadn't actually heard of 3D Secure. Maybe it, maybe it's just something that, that is there and I, I hadn't even put a label on it. So not knowing yeah. what it's actually called. How can you actually recognise a fraudulent chargeback? What, versus friendly fraud? Yeah. Yeah, so it would be the nature of it. So it would be that so-and-so has claimed that they weren't at the property. So they say, look, we were never there. It wasn't me. It was a fraud. And then you can say, well, I use 3D Secure. So I can say that it was you because you, whoever whoever John Spears went into his banking app and confirmed it. So actually, you know, you, you'll always get sided with in that scenario. Or what we talked about it earlier in, 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 in the conversation, biometric facial recognition and ID cross-referencing tools, which you can purchase, that that will then say, well, look, it is John Smith because here he is doing a selfie and here he is with his passport and we know the two correlate and then we've checked his email, we know it's his and we've used 3D Secure on the payment, therefore we're, we're sure it was him. So he can't claim credit card fraud. And that means that if a fraudulent transaction comes in, our system or whoever you're working with will be able to block it for you and say, stop, do not take the booking. This is not John Smith. The email doesn't match. The biometrics have shown this or when you're working with your operator, so either your direct bookings or your channel bookings, if you if you click that you want to use 3D Secure, then it will stop that booking going through and it will never come to you in the first place. Now, a little bit frustrating in the moment when you when you when your booking gets cancelled, but long term, fantastic, because then your property is available to, to be rebooked by someone that isn't going to rip you off. So even if you missed out on the booking, how terrible is it to serve someone for a full week, answer all their questions and then have them claim that they were never there or actually it was a stolen credit card and it wasn't them. So, you know, it hurts. It's short term pain, but it's long term gain for sure. And, you know, that's how you get a new booker to, to, to come along is that they see a free week and, and they'll book it. And it's about taking the right type of bookings. Ultimately, I had a client who was doing sort of 20, yeah, 20 grand a month in, in, in credit card fraud. Wow. I recall, I'm not sure if I've got this absolutely right, but this was this was a number of years ago, and we, we got stung for around about $4,500 because a woman booked a property, and and we, we, we asked for guest lists, and it had uh, her name, her husband's name, and the kids on this guest list, and she paid with husband's credit card. And then right. it was a fairly last-minute... And then after the stay, obviously when ex-husband got the, got his credit card statement, he contacted us and said, look, you know, um, my wife has used this fraudulently. And so he, he instituted the chargeback, got his money back, and we never recovered it from this guest. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because like, it, that, that, so much of that must happen, right? Like the, the, um, still got access to joint accounts and card details and things like that. Yeah. You know, your, your digital footprint these days is such, isn't it? That, if you're, that it, you know, if, you, if you're using your own laptop, you've probably got your bank details saved because it's easier the next time you make a purchase. So yeah, you, 
your 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 home situation changes and it's very easy to forget and keep yourself logged into particular devices and and then again i can see why in that scenario that the the credit card company would have to side with the ex-husband because they're going well yeah you you, you know you're not married anymore and you weren't involved yeah. and then yeah. you know again yeah something like 3d secure would would mean that 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 that, that man would have received a, a, a an alert to his phone to say and he go oh what, what's my ex-wife buying now you know that would have been the um <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah, maybe maybe it wouldn't happen these days, but I remember that it was a real stinger because you know it was in the day it was in the days when you know a four and a half thousand dollar booking was that was tough, and you know the, yeah, the, the owner was going the owner was going to get paid. Yeah, these things are blockers to growth, aren't they? Like like you know it, it's so it's so. And I remember my one five day hat on because I was in the commercial function very early on, and my job was to go around and, and convince people to give us the keys to their house. It takes such a long, expensive process to convince someone to give you the keys to the house that if anything means that they stop, it's just a real pain, isn't it? It's a real pain to growth and reputationally, it's it, it's a huge pain. And yeah, I think you know people don't think about the the what they're doing the impact down the line of just of just doing that kind of fraud whether be it friendly or be it actual and the the friendly fraud I I do find particularly frustrating because I think that it's again it's super hard to disprove that and I would say like just to finish on the friendly fraud one because that is the one that we're seeing more commonly and more where it's about nuance and in making sure that your approach is is really well thought out is document everything you know like document everything send the email and say I've delivered the towel. So, you know, even if the guest phones you, you send them an email and say, just want to check everything's okay. Now we've sent the towels. And then you can go back and say, this was 10 a.m. And the initial complaint was at 9 a.m. And we sent the towels. We followed up. The guest replied to say, no, everything else is great. Great. Enjoy your holiday. So it's, again, it's just, you have to, it's it's wrong. And unfortunately, it's not wrong, but it's it's sad to think that you have to treat that like everyone's going to try and rip you off, but you kind of do document everything. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and of course, you know, this, this goes for, for taking photographs of having cleaning team taking photographs of the property as they leave. Because the, the, the times that we've had people arrive and then three days in say, you know, we, we want some money back because the place hadn't been cleaned properly or there was, there was all this we and we've just spent the last 24 hours cleaning. Of course, they don't tell you until after the 24 hours is up. So you know, for us, you know, just, just get those photographs. And, yeah. and as you say, document absolutely everything. Document that the hot tub was treated mm-hmm. and, and how it was treated. Document that, uh, that the cleaning team arrived at a certain time and left at a certain time and what they did and have some photographs to back it up. And, you know, it, 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 just, it just makes so much of a difference when you get into these disputes. Yeah, totally. You're totally right. This is a great conversation, Leo. Uh, and and thank you so much for it. I want you to give you the opportunity to tell us. I mean, you have been talking about Superhog as we've gone through. I want you to give to give you the opportunity to tell us a little more about Superhog and how it benefits your clients. That, well, thank you, Heather. I'm also I'm also enjoying the conversation. Whenever you and I talk, I feel like we could uh, we could keep talking for for hours and hours. Um, so similarly minded in in that respect, there's always lots to say. I think the most important thing, thank you, the most important thing that Superhog does is that it provides opportunities and options for property managers in terms of protecting themselves. So, you know, it, 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 there's not a one size fits all approach to risk management. 
and that's important to say. Um, it, the type of properties you manage, the, the geography which those properties are in, and how many of those properties you have and how many staff members you have will all dictate how you need to act. You know, if you're a one person operation and you're meeting everybody in the flesh and giving them keys, then it's a very different business to someone with 200 properties and 15 members of staff and using fully remote services to, to check in guests. So, you know, they have to be a tailored approach to risk management. And, and that's how Superhog starts. So any conversation you'll have with us will be how can we like what's the problem you're trying to solve and how can we help and then let's offer you suggestions of things we can help you get ahead of that you didn't even see as a problem and that normally starts with us thinking about things in in three ways the first one is guest screening the second is deposits and waivers and the third is financial protection the five million dollar guarantee and you know most of our clients are using us for all three but some of us just have us screen their guests so they want to know ahead of time that that guest has not got a got um, uh, activity previously with Superhog where they've done something wrong in a property or that they're in, their, their details are not fraudulent, they've not been pulled from the internet, that the mobile phone and the email are registered to them, that the IP address is genuine and not a proxy one. And then some add ID and selfie cross-referencing onto that because it's, it's useful for chargebacks. So the screening element, really, really important. And you can't have the financial protection from Superhog unless you've done the screening because the screening is what makes us confident that we can A, prevent prevent serious stuff from happening in the first place, B, get money back from the guests when they have done something, and C, make sure your um, the chances of it happening are so reduced that it, it's, it's not an everyday occurrence, and when it happens, we can pay you and, and compensate you. So, yeah, that's the first one, the screening. The last one, then, the financial protection is clearly, because our screening is so good, we can offer a $5 million guarantee against every single booking that comes through the Superhog system. And we do use we do use that regularly because remember, somebody might still leave a, a work surface with a with a hot pan. They might flood, but they might run a bath, fall asleep, flood flood the flood the house. You know, things happen. You need a protection in case the guest does something to your property that that nobody saw coming. Um, or if they do something maliciously and deliberately because in the moment they've had a lot of alcohol and they're dancing on the table to Madonna. You know, we, we've all been on those types of holidays, haven't we, Heather? So, you know, we all know, we all know that that can happen for, for, for sure. I promise I haven't been on one of those for a while, but I definitely remember <laughs> them. Or do I not? I probably don't remember them. That's the problem. But yes, um, so, so you, you need financial protection as well because you can't always guarantee what's going to happen in a property. And then we talked about the waiver and the deposit. With a super hog journey, you can either give your guests the option between paying a deposit and a waiver. If they choose the deposit, Superhog will keep that money for you and remit it to you if you ever report any damage to us. Uh, you've got up to seven days after checkout to report that. Uh, and if they choose the waiver, we'll remit that to you minus a small handling fee. We kind of encourage people now more just to take a waiver because mm-hmm. it's the most sensible, <laughs> pragmatic way of dealing with it, as we spoke about during the during, during the conversation. Um, either way, if you have both on as an option, about 85% of your guests will choose the waiver anyway because it is just such a cleaner option for them. They don't have to have $500 on their card and they're not sure when they're getting it returned. So, you know, that, that's it. So I'd say there's three reasons why you might come to us. It's screening, deposits, or or financial protection. We can do all three or we can just screen for you and, 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 and do the deposit stuff. And our, our motive is 100% is to make sure that we can prevent damage from happening because that's what's going to mean lots of payouts, excessive admin and hampering your growth as a property manager what's going to speed you up is when these issues don't even reach your inbox and you can get on with the part of the job that you love yeah thinking back i think this would have been a a, a brilliant service 
for, for us as a, as a property management company. Sold it, of course. So uh, <laughs> we'll leave that to, uh, to, to, the, to, to the new management to explore. But, uh, but I, I love this. I love that you, you do have some concentration in, in North America now, because I think this is an area that was sadly lacking before. So, yeah, it's great. I will make sure that uh, that all the information on Superhog is in the show notes. And as Leo said, if anybody wants to connect with him directly, I'll make sure that your direct details are in there as well. So, yeah, this is, as I say, great conversation, Leo. I'm sorry we're not going to get to meet in Miami. I'm missing Porto. You're going to be at uh, Antonio's conference in, in, yeah. in Porto. I, I would have loved to have been there. And I'm not going to VRMA, so we don't get to... Uh, to meet this year, but I'm sure we will at some point in the future. I, I agree. It, 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 I think we'll probably next year is going to be our year, isn't it? We're bound to we're bound to have some <laughs> some crossover. But it shows you doesn't it? It shows you the health of the industry that there's so many good events worth going to that we're we're not we're, we're not finding time to to meet this year. But definitely definitely next year, and it's been a lovely conversation. So thank you. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you very much, Leo. That was a great discussion on all things pertaining to all that stuff that we we have to deal with, but we don't think about a lot, hugely. We don't really want to think about it. We don't want to think about damage and how we deal with it or getting the wrong people in or having a, a fraudulent chargeback, etc. I love what Superhog are doing. Uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a great service and definitely think you should look into it. So, you know, go to the show notes, check out the link to Superhog. And, uh, and as Leo said, if you want to contact, contact him um, directly, then you'll find his contact information uh, on there as well. So that's it for another week. Amazing how quickly these weeks are moving past. You know, I went out yesterday on recording and I'm recording this um, early September and there's pumpkins everywhere Pumpkins all over the place just reminds us that, of course, Thanksgiving here in Canada is the first Monday, it's the, gosh, I think it's second Monday in October. So actually, yeah, maybe seeing the pumpkins is not so unusual because we are not far from Thanksgiving now. So uh, I I guess as soon as our our Thanksgiving's over, then we get into Christmas. Uh, At least you guys in the U.S., hopefully wait until after your Thanksgiving at the end of November <laughs> to get into the Christmas mode. So, uh, so however, yes, time is moving on. I shall be heading off down to Alabama very soon. Anyone down in Alabama that would like to get together for coffee or lunch or whatever, just let me know. Let's do this thing. I was going to do this with so many people last year, but because of pressures of work and, and of course, selling the company, uh, it just took up so much of my time. This year, I've got a ton more time. So if you're, you know, around in Gulf Shores and Orange Beach, I would love to take you out for coffee. It would be, it would be my pleasure. Okay, let us wrap that up now and enjoy. Well, I'm sure you will be enjoying the rest of your day and uh, and I will talk to you again next week. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you and I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>